While you're standing, let's go to the Word of the Lord. I'm going to go to the 117th Psalm. It is so good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. I greet, bless, and welcome you. If this is your first time, God bless you, and we welcome you in Jesus' name. If, if you're back again for a second or third visit, we welcome you back in Jesus' name. And if you're joining us online, we welcome you. Amen. And we love all of you in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 117, the shortest of the Psalms. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. I'm just simply going to title this today, Superlative Praise. Hallelujah. Father, let the living word preach the written word. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Open our understanding that we might comprehend Scripture. Open our hearts that we might receive it and help us to apply it. Let us be convicted and converted by your love and truth. We pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in this place. Amen. I'm so thankful for who He is. And I'm thankful for the presence of God I feel time and again. I'm grateful for what I feel here on a Sunday. But can I tell you, I can feel it on a Monday when I'm here praying too. I can feel it on a Tuesday when I'm here. Come on. Amen. I'm thankful for the prayer. I don't want to ever take the presence of God for granted. Hallelujah. We know that today especially in Afghanistan, but all throughout the world, many of our, Af our, of our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted for their faith and for their belief in Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to get to a place that I take for granted the freedom to be able to worship Him. And should the day ever come that those freedoms are taken from us, I don't ever want to capitulate to fear and go into hiding and isolation. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In this psalm that we have read today, we see that there is a call to praise. We're going to see that there's causes for praise and a crescendo of praise. You think, well, that's a lot to come out of one small psalm, but trust me, it's all in there. After all, dynamite comes in small packages. The psalmist is unknown. We don't know who it was. Was it David, Asaph, Solomon, Moses? Was it, you know, uh, Heman or Ethan or any one of the others that, that we know wrote? Uh, was it some other Levite uh, writing? You know, we don't know. We don't even know the time. There's no historical context the surrounding the throne. The closest that we have to any connection is Paul quoted in the book of Romans chapter 15. And he quotes the first uh First of this psalm. That's the closest we can come to some sort of contextual uh, connection. So uh, we don't know the psalmist, we don't know its history, but what we do know is that it is power packed with superlative praise to the one true God. Hallelujah. You know, some of these unknown psalms, I can't wait to get to heaven and meet them. 
Now, they begin, it might be somebody known, we just don't know. But, but if it is some unknown, obscure Levite somewhere that didn't get his name in the Bible, I cannot wait to meet that guy. Because here he writes this superlative praise to God and, and we don't know who he is. It, it's easy to preach about David. It's easy to preach about Daniel. It's easy to preach about Noah and Ruth and Mary and Joseph and a bunch of others that we know. But how about the unknown people? I feel to pause right here and tell you, there's some people that you may feel like you're unknown, that you're not in the pulpit, you're not on the praise team, nobody knows your name except you, but I've come to tell you God knows your name. God knows your situation. And if you'll praise Him, if you'll give Him your all, you're going to be recorded in a book, amen, of life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I can't wait to meet unknown. Amen. Notice when this psalmist opens this psalm that it's a call for all. Praise ye the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. The last time I checked in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the English, all means all. It doesn't leave anybody out. It doesn't give any kind of allowance for any excuse or reason. In other words, everybody has a right to praise the Lord. All ye nations is a direct reference to both Jew and Gentile, proving that God's plan of salvation was for everyone and not just a single ethnicity of people. That's why Romans, it, where it's quoted, that's why Paul quotes it there, to prove that it was for everyone. Amen. All ye people is a direct reference to a community of persons, including every ethnicity. It could include an assembly like this one or other churches. It could include the global church in a, a, a completeness. But the fact is, all people are called to praise the Lord. So these repeated statements then reveal us a greater reality. The psalmist could only look in to the future. He could only peer through a glass darkly, amen, and witness the Lamb of God giving His life and taking away the sin of the world. And as we've sung today, that victory over death becoming us so that we could become His righteousness. And so I'm here to tell you that we who are on this side of Calvary know that the number one reason that we should praise God is that He saved us from our sin. Oh, I couldn't save myself. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't afford it. And I cannot atone for it. But He saved me. Amen. He saved me. Hallelujah. When you understand that He became us and He became our sin so that we could become our righteousness, that should compel you to praise God with everything in you. Hallelujah. It's because of this that I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. I may remember who's who, the book's who's who, right? 
Anybody ever get one of those and, you know, mailed to you and you could sign up for it and be a part of it or something like that? I did one time and I think my mom paid whatever it was and I got my, I don't remember what year it was, but I was in a who's who book for something and, you know, wow, whoo, great, right? Wonderful, huh? I don't even have that book. I don't even know what year it was. I don't even care. But there is a book I want my name written in. I may never get a personal tour of the White House and get to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. But there, there is a place I'm wanting to go where a home has been prepared. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. And had he not become my sin, there is no way I could have become his righteousness. The Bible tells me besides that the sum total of my righteousness is filthy rags. So every bit of my goodness, every bit of my godliness, every bit of my holiness, every bit of my righteousness equals filthy rags. I needed him to become me so that I could become him. And that's quite a reason to praise God. Hallelujah. He didn't have to save me, but he did. He died for me while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. Before we knew Him. Before we loved Him. Before we even desired to be saved. When we were having a good time living it up in the world. He already had made a way of escape so that we could be saved from our sin. And if that doesn't cause you to praise God, I don't know what will. Hallelujah. The 117th psalmist can only catch a veiled glimpse of this in the future and write, Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, and praise Him, all you people. Amen. Well, if He can catch that glimpse, you and I, amen, shouldn't you and I, who have experienced that, who have experienced that Holy Ghost born again experience, shouldn't that compel us to say, I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and and strength. Amen. Praise the Lord, all you people. Praise Him, all you uh, nations. Amen. We often, in, in Pentecostal and apostolic circles, we use praise the Lord as like a greeting, like, hey, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know? We, we go to events, we go to church, whatever, and when we see, hey, praise the Lord, brother. Hey, praise the Lord. Sister. It's not a greeting, y'all. It's a command. So the next, I, I dare you to do this. The next time somebody says to you, praise the Lord, I dare you to go, whoa, glory, hallelujah, he's worthy. It, it'll freak them out and they'll think, man, well, what's wrong with you? And, you know, well, maybe they might join you. <laughs> uh, amen, hopefully. Hallelujah. It's a command. Praise him. Oh, he lands. Here's what I love about praise. There's about 10 words for Praise. I'm not going to go through all the different Hebrew uh, variations and, 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 and words, but, but some of them indicate lifting of the hands. Some of them indicate clapping, and some are singing. Uh, uh, some are dancing. Some are leaping. Uh, some uh, are, are, you know, playing instruments. And so all of these variables are ways that we praise God, okay? That's what I love about it because it's unique. Now, worship is a little bit more refined because all the times you see worship, it's either bowing or kneeling or laying prostrate. So, so that's more of a, a place of that somber and sober place where you are just lost to everything else. But praising God includes all these other things. So, you know, maybe you want to ease into it. And so maybe you're not one of those that's going to, you know, you know leap and, and all just yet. But, you know, you can at least kind of do this. You know what I'm saying? All right. And maybe you're not going to jump up just yet, but you can maybe put them hands up, right? Right? 
But here's what will happen. As you start doing that, you might start feeling something. Mm. You know, here, here's the thing. The world understands it, folks. Music moves people. I mean, anybody ever heard of a dance floor? You know, right? Anybody come out of the world where that was part of your lifestyle? You'd go to the bar, the dance, whatever, right? Well, it's like one preacher said, we, we haven't stopped dancing, we just changed partners. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not as choreographed here because it's more of that spirit led, but, but there's something in me that says, you know what? He saved me. I, I just can't keep quiet. I just can't keep still. I just, ah, I, I got to do something. I, I got to let it out because he's worthy. <laughs> Amen. How many of you... Uh, Give your all at your job or, or your, your, your career or some other thing. Or maybe you, any, any golfers in the room? Anybody like to play golf? Anybody? No? No? Okay. Any, any oh, one over here. Any, any top golfers that just like to go and a couple of those? Yeah, okay, a couple of those. Racquetball. Michael, you're back there at racquetball. Amen. You know, you know when I play, I'm going to give my all. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to go after the hard balls and hit the wall. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is, you know? Occasionally, I'm going to hit Michael, you know. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, actually, he's the one that hit me. But um, if, if, okay, watch. If I can give all for that, and you think I'm going to come on a Sunday and be like this, <laughs> honey, you got another thing coming. He's a whole lot more worthy of my all than the racquetball court. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing we see in this psalm, amen, is the greatness of His merciful kindness. The first part of verse 2, for His merciful kindness is great toward us. This word merciful kindness or phrase uh, means faithfulness. It's why the New Living Translation says it this way, for His unfailing love for us is powerful. The complete Jewish Bible says, for His grace has overcome us. Are you thankful that His grace and His faithfulness and His mercy are powerful and unfailing and have overcome you? Hallelujah. It's also interesting to me that the first time we see the word mercy in the Bible is in Genesis 19, 19, where Lot says to the angels of the Lord, Thou hast magnified thy mercy. The first time it's seen. Anybody ever heard of the law of first mention? The first time mercy is seen as a word in the Bible, it's also seen with the word magnified. Amen. I'm so glad God magnified His mercy to me. I'm so glad God magnified His mercy to you. I'm so glad that He's still magnifying His mercy today to whosoever will that will repent and be baptized in His name and fill with His Spirit, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit it gives utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't answer for you, but I can for me. Every time I look back and see where he's brought me from, I see his mercy magnified time and time again. 
I don't know who wrote this 117th Psalm, but I wholeheartedly agree with him that God's merciful kindness is great toward us. You see, I was lost, but he found me. I was dead, but he quickened me. I was hopeless, but he comforted me. I was sinful, but he forgave me. Amen. I was full of pain, but he healed me. I was addicted, but he delivered me. I was bound, but he saved me free. I was wrong, but he made me right. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else in the building or online that has experienced the greatness of his merciful kindness? Would you take a minute to to let him know how grateful you are for his mercy? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, just, let me just pause for a minute. I don't want to preach too, too long here, but let me just pause for a minute and tell you about the audacity of God's mercy. God, who existed before time and out of time, who came in flesh in time, that God, the one true God, is omnipresent everywhere always, omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient. He knows all thoughts. That God... Everybody know who I'm talking about? That God heard the cry of Sodom. The book of Genesis records this. And says, I will go down and see whether or not it is so. Okay. This is the MTP commentary. Um, You're God. You already know that it's so. You don't have to go down. So why did he? Because the audacity of his mercy said, maybe, just maybe. Maybe I heard wrong. Maybe, just maybe, if I go down, I can make a difference. Maybe, just maybe, if I can find an Abraham. Maybe, just maybe, if there's somebody that will intercede. We know from the book of Ezekiel that God sought for someone to stand in the gap and and unfortunately found none. And the next verse says destruction comes. What would have happened if he would have found one to stand in the gap? What if there would have been a Moses type? What if there would have been somebody to plead? Could there be a different story? What I've come to tell you is the audacity of God's mercy also caused him to come down and robe himself in flesh and hang himself upon a cross and die so that we could live again and rise so that we could rise with him one day. I'm thankful for his mercy and his merciful kindness and his greatness in which he shares it with us. The next part of verse 2, Psalm 117 says, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Somebody say forever. You know, forever is a long time. (laughs) Now, I literally typed it this way. Well, of course the truth of the Lord endureth forever. He's truth personified. Right? When Pilate said, what is truth? I wish I could have been there. Say, oh, Pilate, truth is not a what, it's a who. You're looking at him. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth the life. Hallelujah. So of course truth endures forever. Here's what else is interesting. Notice mercy and truth connected in this psalm. 
it really shouldn't surprise us because they're connected through many passages of the Bible. Again, the first time that the Bible records truth, here's what's interesting to me. It's in Genesis 24, 27. Let me read it to you. This is the first time truth is mentioned, but watch. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. The first time truth is mentioned, mercy is mentioned alongside it. Mm. 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 See, mercy was willing to not break, but bend. Let he that is without sin cast the first stone. Did you know that did not exempt Jesus from casting a stone? He's the only one in the crowd that day without sin. Meaning, he could have picked one up and said, sorry ma'am, law of Moses does say it. And it would have started a barrage of stones. He didn't break the law. He bent it a little bit, that's mercy. But watch what he says. Woman, where are your accusers? Lord, I have none. Here's mercy. Neither do I condemn you. Here's truth. Go and sin no more. Mercy and truth work hand in hand. Listen, we can't just have the mercy of God and woo, He forgave me and walk out the door and go live any way we want to live and do anything we want to do and say anything we want to do and say anything we want to say and so on and so forth. No, 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 no. I'm leaving with some truth as well as some mercy. I'm leaving with some truth that's going to keep me on the right. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mercy and truth working together, interconnected, revealing the steadfast loyalty of Almighty God. In fact, watch what Solomon says as he captures the essence of mercy and truth. In Proverbs 16, verse 6, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Let me explain. The truth is that none of us could approach God in our sin. Because the minute Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the garden and the presence of God. Eden, in part, means the presence of God. Ah. There was a separation. But Corinthians says, to wit, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. Oh, hallelujah. So watch this. Truth. A sinful person can't approach God. So how do we get there? By mercy. He became us. It's kind of like this. Let's imagine that where I want to go with God is, is, is here, right? Okay, this, this is God. Just all of you used to play, so just imagine with me for a minute, okay? Grown-ups sometimes, they're boring. You ready? This side is God. You see it? You got it? Nice big cliff, right? You fall straight off and it goes like down, 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 down forever and ever and ever, okay? Over here on this cliff is us. 
There's, there's a great gulf fixed between us. So he became us. The vertical beam of that cross satisfied the truth of God that one had to die. Sinless sacrifice had to die so that man could be saved. And the horizontal beam provided a bridge through His mercy and truth so that I can approach God. Because if I'd have never become His righteousness in Him, I couldn't approach Him. But because He became us, I can become Him, and now I can boldly enter the throne of grace. Are you seeing it? Mercy and truth have to work together. If they don't, let, let me also say this. Some people only want mercy. Some people want to just do what they want to do and, and flaunt it in front of people and, and, and sin so that grace can abound. And we know what the Bible says, God forbid. But there's other people on the other side that everything about them is truth, 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 truth. And there's no mercy with it. That's just as wrong. It's not either or. It's both hand working together. Put the verse back up there, Proverbs 16, 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. We need both of them to purge our iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil because I realize His mercy and His truth. Because I realize the cross was the apex of His hatred for sin and His love for humanity. That fear of the Lord, that reverence for God, compels me to depart from evil. I need both of them. Jesus Christ is the ultimate and superlative reality of both mercy and truth. And through His blood our iniquities are purged. If this doesn't cause you to want to praise Him, I don't know what will. I thank God for every healing Every, every time He's blessed my finances, I thank God for my family. I thank God for all the benefits and blessings He's given me. But if my sins are not washed away, nothing else matters. I'd rather have cancer and go to heaven. The last time I checked... There's a lot of good people that have died of different diseases and, 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 and have been murdered or killed and Christians have been martyred and all that. But if they've been born again. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise you, Lord. Three times in the shortest of psalms. Opening, oh, praise the Lord. Shortly thereafter, praise Him again. And ending with praise ye the Lord. Three times the psalmist mentions praise. The reason why I have titled this superlative praise. He opens with a clear call to praise God. And if you get nothing else out of this psalm today, then know this, you do not have a right to be silent. You have a mandate to praise the Lord. There's an old chorus. When I think of His goodness, what He's done for me, when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I will shout, 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 shout all night. 
Mm-mm-mm. That's why I need an A-flat right now. Amen. You know, I wonder today, we've ended Sundays a lot of different ways. I wonder if today we could just end with some praise. That just says, God, you're worthy. I don't care who, you know, doesn't understand it. I don't care what others may think. I don't care who looks at me. I'm just going to praise you. Ah.